0: Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. This is Diane Estabrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care Daily Pulse. After a few blockbuster years for home care and hospice mergers and acquisitions, the market cooled in 2022, according to analysis by M&A advisory firm Mertz Taggart. The industry saw 104 deals in 2022, down significantly from the 177 deals in 2021. I recently spoke with Mertz Taggart managing partner, Corey Mertz, about the year that was and the year that is. I started by asking him just why the number of deals declined last year.
1: So I think what happened is is probably, I would suggest, it's not so much what happened in 2022 as it is what happened in the, in the previous two years. If you look at, at just historical M&A transaction data, whether it be just in the care at home space or, or just broader in 2020 and 2021, that's a mouthful, we saw a record number of transactions, the likes of which we probably won't see again anytime soon, you know, unless we have kind of a, uh, a perfect storm uh, like we had in 2020 and 2021, just, just for some perspective. You know, in those two years, I think we averaged about 165 transactions or so. This year, or this year, I should say 2022, we finished up a little over 100 transactions, uh, but if you look at the years prior to 2020, the normal years, as I call them, you know, we average about 120 transactions a year. So transactions volume is down a little bit this year uh, relative to historical, but but significant, you know, about 60, percent or 36 percent from uh, from the past couple of years.
0: Yeah. And I really noticed it was significant with hospice and those deals had really been hot for a long time. So is that market one that you're likely to see really cooling off from what we saw in previous years?
1: You know, I don't see, uh, I don't see much of a cooling off per se from the hospice perspective, again, relative to historical from a demand perspective, the demand is still, still very strong. So that has not tapered off uh, really much at all. Uh, It's really been a function of, of quality providers that have gone to the market, uh, you know, more more than anything else. So it'll be a function of that going forward. So far on the hospice side, we have not seen uh, any any diminished um, interest or, or uh, for at least from a valuation perspective.
0: Of course, last year in 2022, we had the issue with the home health rule that it seemed weighed down on home health. Yeah. We had a little bit more clarity on that, but we still have that behavioral health cut out there Mm-hmm. Is that something you think is going to continue to weigh on that segment?
1: I think it will a little bit. You know, we're seeing we, we're we still seeing strong demand from the buyer universe, generally speaking. But, you know, buyers, whether they be the it's the public companies or, or strategic buyers, they're investors first and foremost. Right. And so, you know, they're always going to look forward on earnings and the reimbursement in 2024 could certainly have a, a big impact. So. Although the demand is still there, you know, very strong demand, buyers have to be somewhat disciplined in in projecting what that cash flow is going to look like. Uh, And, and you know, a 7% uh, cut, for example, on on reimbursement can have, you know, pretty significant impact on EBITDA, which is the basis for, you know, a lot of the valuation. Gotcha.
0: So let's look forward. We we talked a little bit about it. What do you see in terms of valuations this year? Um, Are they going to be lower um, due to perhaps less demand and because headwinds may be from you know higher interest rates and sort of some economic uncertainty
1: mm-hmm. yeah good question hard to predict although we haven't seen a, a significant impact on valuation generally speaking despite the the headwinds that we've had over the past 12 months with interest rates going up can't guarantee that will continue what we have seen, and I think we're, what we'll continue to see as interest rates creep up, which I expect them to continue to do, we'll see fewer larger transactions because those deals become more challenging to do as cost of capital goes up. Cost of capital has a, has a significant impact on, um, on those transactions. However, I say that with caution. You know, if the Fed continues to raise rates or they raise them faster, than most folks are currently expecting, uh, we could certainly see an impact. One other caveat there, I, I, I mentioned, generally speaking, the sector has not seen much softening in valuations. Um, we are seeing buyers become more disciplined, you know, in what they'll look at. Uh, they're becoming more disciplined, for example, on the hospice side, you know, for, for a couple of years there, A lot of the buyers were were valuing based strictly on average daily census. They knew in order to be competitive, they would have to overpay, but they could justify doing that because they knew they could structure the company in such a way that it would be profitable in, in say, you know, the fifth quarter going forward. Uh, We're seeing less of that on the hospice side. You know, buyers are becoming more disciplined. They're valuing really more based on EBITDA than, than they are what they could do with it under their watch.
0: You talked about kind of the Fed being the wild card with rising interest rates. Who would would that potentially affect a P.E., a public equity company looking for a deal versus a corporation that might be looking for a deal? Would it affect one more than the other?
1: Yeah. So I think if you're comparing a private equity group to, to, say, a public company, could it impact what they might do? Yes, private equity. I think I think we will see fewer private equity exits over the next 12 to 24 months. You know, I mentioned the we're seeing a little bit more impact valuation impact on the on the larger transactions, the bigger companies. When I say bigger, let's just say over 100 million in enterprise value. We'll see fewer of those exits uh, because uh, number one. Yeah, the home care company, the publicly traded companies, generally speaking, have taken a little bit of a hit, not to name names, but, you know, there are some of, some of them that have taken a significant hit in terms of their multiple of EBITDA and what they're trading at compared to where they were really over the last three or four years. And that really impacts how much they can ultimately pay for a, for a desirable target, uh, unless it's highly strategic. So I think we'll see few, I think we'll see fewer uh, larger transactions generally speaking, and fewer private equity exits as they wait out, kind of continue to to do add on acquisitions and, and continue to grow uh, while they wait for interest rates to, to 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 come down a little bit.
0: We've seen a lot of interest from the traditional health insurers getting into this business. You know, United Health is acquiring LHC Group. We expect that deal to finish up sometime in the quarter. Humana has Centerwell, formerly Kindred at Home. Do you see other big insurers trying to get into this space and do deals?
1: Yeah, you know, I keep hitting the refresh button waiting for that uh, LHC United deal to, to get clearance and be announced. Um, gosh, that's been dragging on for close, close to a year now, maybe nine months. Um, it's kind of, kind of interesting. And of course, everybody's been been following uh, Humana and, and what they've done in this space over the over the years. I think it's interesting and and certainly validation uh, for the industry that the payers, the guys that are controlling the money here and and are incentivized to reduce their, the, the overall spend, are, are looking at home care as uh, as at least a big part of the answer. Will we continue to see payers acquire? Uh, providers you know I don't know I, I don't know that i can necessarily predict that you know we've we've seen this over the years right you, you look at the, the, these payers they 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 kind of cycle in and out of these healthcare companies they'll they'll buy a company because they think it makes sense to buy then they realize that you know maybe that's not their core business and so they'll sell it and if you look at what Humana did with senior bridge uh you know they acquired senior bridge i don't know maybe ten or twelve years ago now and didn't pay a ton of money for it relative to how big Humana was at the time. Uh, I think they paid you know, $130 million or so for it, which was a small deal for them. They touted it as the best deal they'd ever done, you know, for the two to three years after they had, had done the, uh, the acquisitions, and, and they really hung that on, on savings, you know, keeping folks out of the hospital. They said, you know, they, they said it saved them billions, Well, you fast forward to you know just the last month or so, they they announced that they're shuttering their last uh, senior senior bridge facility. So, you know, they continue to cycle in and out. Uh, Healthcare continues to evolve. It's interesting that the payers are are, certainly have a keen interest in in home care uh, as a big part of the solution going forward. Will they continue to acquire or or align? Um, It's hard to predict.
0: You're uniquely uh, you have a unique perspective because you have a front seat to these deals. So you, you know, talked earlier about you think that there are likely to be smaller deals this year. So if you're a small to mid-sized, I guess, home care agency, home care, home health hospice, what are these companies, the acquirers looking for in doing a deal? What do they want to see as far as what's on the balance sheet or what you're, you know, what your business looks like before they do any acquiring.
1: So I would, you know, I mentioned before that, that these buyers, whether it be the public companies or the private equity groups, they're, you know, they're investors first and, you know, they're, they're most of the acquirers. And I think between private equity and and the, the public companies, they account for, Let's just say 75 to 80 percent of all the transactions that are out there, right? So they're already in the space. They have a, they have a plan uh which continues to evolve, right? Uh just in terms of what geographies they'll look at, what payers they're gonna look at. That that's constantly changing as as guys do, you know, as these big companies do transactions. But what, what are they looking for? Ultimately, they're looking for cash flow, just like any investor, and, and most importantly. You know, opportunity is always important, uh, but they're looking, you know, they want to they want to minimize the risk that that, that cash flow could be interrupted after a transaction is complete. So they want to see as, as little interruption, as little disruption to the business after the transaction as possible. That's always super important to buyers. That's what keeps valuations somewhat in check. Um, you know, it's hard to do healthcare services transactions. These are local businesses run by local folks who have local connections and, you know, outsiders coming in and, and doing these acquisitions without, you know, most of the time, you know, without having folks that can, that can continue to, to own or, you know, continue to operate these companies, you know, so that they put a lot of value on the people. And so they want, you know, they want to ensure stability, especially from a work, workforce perspective going forward
0: yeah you just alluded to something that I, was not my next question you mentioned workforce and is that does that continue to be a headwind for some of these agencies and is that the thing that's going to set one apart from the other is how consistent is your labor force and access to
1: labor yeah we see it we see it in every deal uh for sure you know the it's the it's the the caregivers on the home care side uh, and the clinicians on the home health and hospice side that that you know really are really driving this, this market right now in terms of uh, what these companies are able, you know, what kind of care they can ultimately deliver and how much care they can ultimately deliver. So yes, uh, caregivers and and clinicians have have taken uh, center stage uh, in in these transactions. Buyers are, are very, you know, very keen on two things, really staff, you know, recruitment and retention, but, but also, you know, margin management, it's, you know, cost of, cost of care and, and you're paying these folks, wages are, are continuing to rise. Everybody knows that. That's one of the biggest drivers, one of the biggest concerns from my perspective, the biggest drivers of inflation is, is wage inflation. So these, uh, these companies are, are continuing to have to pay more for these clinicians and caregivers and uh, how they're able to manage their margins, despite those headwinds, will set them apart.
0: What about, um, we have seen some of these companies um, you know, I'm thinking of Amatis, um and some of the larger companies doing uh, more joint ventures with hospital systems and other companies mm-hmm. in the medical field. Do you expect to see more of that this year? And would you, if, if you're, you know, representing a, a smaller mid-sized agency, are those kind of. Joint ventures or um, whatever kind of deal that you might have with a hospital system, are those important to companies that are out looking to acquire an agency? So there's there's a pipeline or there's a relationship between a home health um, or a home care firm or a hospice and a medical system.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think the big guys, right, the public companies that, that have the opportunity to talk about, about these things, including their strategies, there's there's certainly demand for, for hospital joint venture opportunities. You know, a medicist and LHC group, they've made it clear that that will continue to be a big part of their strategies going forward. And private equity groups and, and private equity backed companies tend to align themselves with what the public companies do because ultimately the public companies are seen as kind of the ultimate consolidators, right? That's kind of the end game where these private equity groups will ultimately exit at least the bigger ones. So they're going to align themselves uh, and their strategies to some extent with what the public companies are doing. And and yes, I I do expect that we'll continue to see a significant number of joint venture opportunities as long as they're available.
0: We talked about the headwinds that we've been seeing over the past couple of years. We talked about labor. We've talked about now interest rates. Are there any other headwinds out there that were not on the horizon over the last couple of years that are out there now that could be, you know, could throw a monkey wrench into some of these potential deals?
1: Well, you made me think about this one a little bit, <laughs> Diane. Um, there are always unforeseen things, right? Uh, or, or somewhat unforeseen. There, I think, what was it, Rumsfeld that that mentioned the known-knowns and unknown-unknowns and uh, known-unknowns. It's, it's the unknown-unknowns, I think, that uh, – that concern us, you know, everybody's aware of, of interest rates and, and, you know, they can factor those things into their, into their valuation formulas based on where they think interest rates are going Uh, and same thing with the equity markets. So a lot of those things are, are somewhat known and and, and considered on a daily basis. It's the unknowns that uh, are are really hard to predict, but, but, uh, and what, what that could be is, uh, is as you know, is anybody's guess. But
0: you're you still sound like you're fairly bullish on moving health into the home.
1: Yeah, extremely bullish. Um, you know, I think we're going to continue to see that evolve as well. You know, uh, we met we saw that CMS just recently extended the the hospital at home waiver program out into I think. Oh, put we'll me on this 2024 or 2025 whatever year that is, uh, is a good indicator of where CMS is going and where their head is with the care at home initiative.
0: Great. Thanks for your insight. Corey Mertz, always great talking to you.
1: Thanks, Diane. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight's dot com.